Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Oh, oh, shoot. You know what? It's February. We forgot to play Alan Wake 2, but oh, it's okay. I know. And you know what? There's actually Alan Wake in Dead by Daylight now. He is the newest survivor. So I, saw I have that. two ways to play Alan Wake and haven't played either. <laughs> Oh. Um, there's a great video going around because I follow, uh, I think I follow like the uh, PR coordinator or influencer coordinator for Remedy. And they had tweeted out like a, like a, just a, a sample clip, uh, uh, clips of the voice acting for, for Alan Wake and Dead by Daylight. And usually Dead by Daylight will get like sound likes, but they got the actual Alan Wake voice actor. And it is just all of his lines. <laughs> <laughs> and it was superb. I mean, I haven't played Alan Wake 2. It's been a while since I've played Alan Wake, but I've seen a lot of trailers and stuff. And, and the clips for his work in Dead by Daylight is is fantastic. So um, I was honestly surprised to see they got... they Not that they got Alan Wake, but put Alan Wake in Dead by Daylight. I never even thought of it. And honestly, it's such a good get. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's great advertising for both of them, right? And I feel like um, Behavior's been pretty good at, at like aligning characters, like going after licenses and aligning characters at a point in time where like hype for that character is going to be pretty high. Like they did the same thing a while back with Stranger Things where like the new season was coming out. They had new stuff, like new characters. They brought in like a map and the, and the killer and the survivors and you know, like everybody was really, really hyped for both like the TV show and Dead by Daylight because they had that tie in. So I feel like they're they're really good at like knowing what's going to be up and coming in horror and kind of going after it and getting it. So, yeah, they're they're be they're doing an awesome job over at Behavior. And, and they like you can tell that they really like though on one hand, like they are pumping out content. They've got new um, killers and survivors coming out every couple of months, so like they are pumping out the content. But at the same time, you can feel the love. <laughs> you know, like they really want these characters to be as interesting and well done as possible. So, yeah, I mean, you guys know I loved it by daylight. This is no surprise. So yeah, this yeah. is just more more good content in in a great game. So yeah, they're doing a great job over there. I'm probably going to be playing it a little bit this weekend, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, I do have to actually play <laughs> Alan Wake too. It's it is on the list. It's just it's so hard for me right now. I was talking to Manny today from uh, For Azeroth, and I really 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 want to like get back into wow they've got this trading post thing now where you kind of get this currency just for doing like questing like world quests and stuff like you don't have to be a raider in wow anymore to get rewards there's lots of other things in the game to do and i'm like man i would really like to just like get back into warcraft and poke around to some of the new content the new stuff in the trading post like there's a mount that's really cool but it's just so hard for me to find pc time like I, I have the Xbox upstairs, so I can usually get, you know, like a 30 to 45 minute Xbox play session in. But, you know, everything for Olivia is upstairs. So I don't have a lot of time to get downstairs into my office space and, and play on my PC. So like all of these PC games are just and that's where I have um, Alan Wake because it was on that that big sale on Epic a month and a half ago. <laughs> a year ago, Jocelyn. Yeah, yeah, last year. <laughs> they had that big sale on Epic, 
so I picked it up for my PC and I just haven't been able to to get the time to. And it's the same reason why I haven't played Alan Wake in DVD yet either. Like, yeah, well, any game that involves other people is hard for me to commit the time to because I have to basically be able to drop the game at any any point. <laughs> so um, but yeah, the fact that it's like other people and on my PC, I just have not had a lot of PC gaming time. It's been like all console, all portable, all mobile for me lately. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. But I am going to try like I am really I'm really, really wanting to get into Alan Wake, too. But I also and you guys in the discord can let me know if you go to bit.ly slash TGI discord. Uh, let me know if you guys have any creators that you enjoy who have like put together some sort of like the story so far of Alan Wake slash uh, control because it's been a while now since I've played them and they deal with like interdimensional crazy stuff. So I feel like I just do not remember uh, what was going on in like the Alan Wake and then like the larger Alan Wake universe. So if anyone has a really good, because I'm sure there's a hundred videos on what's going on so far. Um, but if anyone has a creator they really like and they want to support, uh, drop the link in the Discord for me and I'll go watch YouTube videos because I definitely need a refresher. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm in the same boat because I haven't played Alan Wake since its launch on the Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah, that's a while back. <laughs> At I least had to I think. played the remaster. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say Xbox, but I that was too far back. But um, it's... Uh, and and you know like in terms of your situation for playing games and and it, like it all it just takes time and um i i remember when like, we were busy with the kids when they were younger and obviously i'm not in the same situation as you are but um like i remember just uh, and and i also play a lot of games with a controller so i'm not i'm by no means suggesting that Jawson play dead by daylight with a controller however i really just it was tough to be in different rooms, as you said. And then in this case, it's different levels of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, uh, I would just move. I, I remember moving the PC into the living room and just, you, you know, using a controller. Although I know you probably use the same machine for podcasting as well. I do. Yeah. And your whole setup's <laughs> there. So the real solution is, you know, have Matt do his work on a laptop and you just take his computer, which can run Halloween <laughs> too, and put that in the living room there you with go. a controller or just buy a super long HDMI cable. This is now the second time I've suggested someone buy a super long HDMI cable. <laughs> Your life will uh, be forever changed by that super long HDMI cable because you'll be able yeah. to. Uh, although I think in your situation, that might be too far for both situations. But seriously, yeah, it's pretty. It's the other end of the house. But yeah, anyways, steal Matt's computer <laughs> is what I'm saying. He there's, there's definitely ways. I mean, I could also like take an evening I, that's what i need to do i need to set aside an evening where i can be like honey can you just watch olivia because i gotta go scare the pee out of myself <laughs> there you go i i think yeah. they just updated alan wake 2 i didn't look into it too much because again i'm trying not to i'm trying to avoid spoilers and and just more like details of the game because i know i want to play it i own it but i think they added an update that like cut down on the jump scares and i when i saw that i immediately thought i gotta tell jocelyn this because she's gonna toggle that setting right away <laughs> yes. uh, which is totally fine honestly anything that makes a game more accessible and approachable like i'm all for it so like removing or toning down jump scares i think that you have to do that i mean and you guys know after how many years of the show like i prefer a 
like psychological creepy unsettling horror as opposed to a jump in your face like scare horror that to me like feels a little bit like cheap like I want horror to kind of like make me think I want horror to stick with me you know and and really like make my skin crawl when I think about it hours later like that's that's the kind of horror that I really enjoy um and it yeah I there's a lot of examples I feel like in older horror I think there's a lot of newer horror that's like leans a little too much on the jump scares in my opinion so if there's an option because I do think like Alan Wake I remember being interesting and making me think a lot and I like that so you know like if I I think I'll still find it like creepy without you know a whole bunch of jump scares (laughs) so uh, yeah I will absolutely be toggling that on just like please don't jump scare me thanks (laughs) (laughs) there you go well, and especially now, like sleep is so key that like, yes, yeah, 100%. I, <laughs> I don't want like crazy jump scare images stuck in my head, making it hard for me to sleep. <laughs> I only get a couple hours a night, so <laughs> I need those. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to be thinking about like, it's funny, like I've, I'm so disconnected from what Alan Wake 2 may or may not be. Like, I, I think I've seen, like, maybe two minutes of the game. I know, I know I'm know i going to really enjoy it because I, I dig Remedy's stuff, but I know so little. I'm trying to, th- like, literally when I saw that update, I was like, like, on Twitter, I was like, what are the jump scares? Like, what are the things scaring me in this game? Like, I remember there were, like, shadow people in the first one, but you just kind of shoot your light at them and then they go away. Like, Care Bear stare and it's done, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So we'll see. I guess we'll find out together. We'll find out, yeah, if we eventually play it by the end of February, right? It's happening in February. You know, it's it's day one of the month. We can do this. We have 29, 28 days now. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll put it uh, put it in my calendar. <laughs> yeah, it's a leap year. So we got an extra year or extra day. Yeah, <laughs> a whole long month long event in my calendar. Play Alan Wake. <laughs> God damn it. We'll have reminders set. Uh, we'll have a theme song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me then, Ryan, what are you playing instead of Alan Wake? <laughs> well, I'm playing a game that is not scary at all. It's called Little Guardsman. Uh, it is a very cartoony game. If you look at this art style, that is amazing, this art style. It has this like Saturday morning cartoon style vibe of what you would see on like a Disney channel or like a YTV for the Canadians out there. I'm pretty sure that was just Canadian, right? I think um, so. I think so too. You know, I all I remember of sorry, tangent. All I remember from YTV, we didn't have cable growing up. We had tapes that my cousin would tape because he lived in the city and he would tape shows for us and sometimes I have the interstitials and I just remember an interstitial of like a like a like a sofa seat on a highway and then it had YTV on it. It was going really fast and and uh, anyways, Canadians who had cable uh, in the 90s will maybe know what I'm talking about or (laughs) made made all this up. Anyways, Little Guardsman is a very cool game uh, in the style of Papers, Please, uh, but not as um, depressing. So Papers, Please was a game where you played a border cross uh, guard Mm -hmm. and people would come in and you'd ask for the ID. In like an authoritarian. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not a great not a great place to be working. Yeah. And, and often I never beat that game because honestly I was either 
uh, too nice or uh, not crooked enough and uh, let the right people through, the wrong people through, and just I always <laughs> just let everybody over. through. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you seem nice. It's like, no, if you use this tool, you definitely would have seen, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, at, but the cool thing about Little Guardsman is that it takes that concept of papers, please, of uh, you are a 12-year-old uh, mm-hmm. who is working at a guard shed uh, on the way into an, a medieval town called the Sprawl, and it's a medieval fantasy world with, you know, uh, goblins and elves and uh, trolls and, you know, like the the type of uh, characters you would expect from like, um, yeah, gosh, I hope no one should take offense to this. But like, you know, the world of Shrek, basically, mm-hmm. you've got those those creatures. Uh, but anyways, in Little Guardsman, you play this 12 year old named Lil and she essentially wakes up and her dad's like, oh, I need you to work uh, the guard shift because I'm going to go uh, place a bet on the the goblin ball match. So I can't work today. So, you know, great dad sends his 12 year old to work the shift. It's just one shift. What what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> and it's a very funny game. It's all fully voiced and they it's it, all of it's superb. And the writing is hilarious. The deliveries are hilarious as well. And essentially the, how the game starts is that your dad giving you this tutorial and, and he's, and it also breaks the fourth wall where, your dad's like, you know, giving you this tutorial. It's like, come on, let's keep this moving. I got to get to the goblin ball shift or I got to place my bets. And, and, uh, Lil's like, are you seriously rushing the tutorial? It's just the start of the game or something like that. (laughs) And it's just, they have a lot of fun with it. Um, and the whole idea for the base part of the game, which is working the guard shift is to basically a person will come up to the desk, state their business and why they're coming in. And then you basically have to decide, admit or deny and you have tools available to you to basically determine if you let you should let them in or, or not i was gonna say yeah so what's the risk right like what what could this because like i'm looking at a screenshot and it's a little old lady <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with a lunchbox okay. so what could she possibly do <laughs> well here's the thing uh that little old lady that's the tutorial uh she you you let her in because she also wants to bet on the goblin ball match and she'd be very upset if, if you didn't let her in like there are clear examples in the game especially early on that are like okay clearly this is a situation where i am to admit you into the town because it, it it's not like papers please where um it's it, it's it's a gray area thing like very early on it's either let them in or don't and it's kind of teaching you the rules of the game like very much like okay a little old lady who just wants to go in and drop off some bake goods for her son and and watch the goblin ball match of course go ahead in and you get a star rating depending on how well you do. And that star rating will kind of let you know if maybe you miss some stuff. Because sometimes you can, uh, you know, get extra items and confiscate items from people and still allow them into the into the um, okay into the sprawl. So early on, it's very, you know, one or zero, very binary in terms of like, come in, you're not allowed in for very obvious reasons. Uh, but you do have tools available to you to kind of allow you to get more information from people. You can talk to them, or you can use one of five tools. There's a, a truth spray, which basically forces them to tell the truth, unless they've built up a tolerance. Some characters oh, okay. uh, can have... I do know, see this like uh, bent-over, wizardy-looking character. I feel like he would be immune. <laughs> yeah, uh, the built uh, Yeah, that guy, I, I'm pretty sure he's like the stoner wizard uh, <laughs> who shows up. And, and there's, you know, he... 
he's totally fine. But like if you, um, so there's another tool, I think it's like the x-ray tool. So you can basically like x-ray people and see if they're holding on to any items you'd want to confiscate. And I, I bet you can, you can imagine. Or if they're like would... three gnomes in a cloak. <laughs> yes, that is actually a thing that happens in the game. <laughs> but it's very odd. Like it's cartoony. You know, you picture, you know, any movie from, you know, the 90s, a kid's movie where like yeah. two kids are trying to go into a office building or a bank or something. R rated movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An R rated movie. Like, you know, you, you see the scenes and there are moments, there is a moment where, uh, two goblins try to sneak in in a in a trench coat like sort of on top of each other and you use the x-ray and of course you see there's two people but you could tell there's two people in the, <laughs> they don't hide it you know like the game yeah. is very tongue-in-cheek um so you can use your x-ray you can confiscate items and then sell those items uh it's and there's no like uh and that's the other thing too like the game it doesn't take itself too seriously so in in the case of a 12 year old uh, confiscating uh, something from Stoner Wizard, she can then go and sell that for gold to pay for upgrades for her various uh, uh, guard shed tools. So I mentioned the true spray, the x-ray, there's a, a metal detector wand, there's a whip, so you can basically whip people <laughs> to make them, <laughs> like force them to talk uh, or or coerce them to talk more. Um there's and there's one more there's uh oh the decoder ring which i thought was really cool so occasionally so there's this one where this lady comes up and she's like oh, I, I need to see my kids they they left this note it looks like they're saying please come pick us up we're having fun with daddy and uh his his new girlfriend and then you use the decoder ring and then it decodes the the message to be like oh daddy's girlfriend's the worst please come get us soon mommy type thing and uh, like little fun things where they're just like having they're having fun with the game and uh, you can use these tools to get more information. But as the game progresses, you get into more complex situations. But again, it still doesn't lose that like comedic edge to it. You know, there are serious things that are happening. Um, and even though it is a cartoony look to the game, like it's it's uh I would say it's Mature still not something. Teams. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to play this with your kids. Uh, they do some really fun stuff with um, they they bleep out the swears a lot, uh, <laughs> and they do it very. T- you know, I've always said like if you if you use your swears sparingly and bleep them out, that's almost more funny than just having the swear. But like they do the thing where they bleep out a lot of swears, and then like the kid will drop a like a shit or something and they, they let it through the sensors. And I think that makes it funnier, right? Like it's kind of in the moment it's funnier. So, but my favorite part of the game so far is uh, once I got to a a point later in the game, about halfway through, you have to work a night shift and in the night shift, they give you like a monster guide. And then all the people trying to get into town are monsters or, you know, not just monsters, but some are monsters and some are, um, I saw a, a screenshot of a creepy looking tree. That was really cool. Oh man. Is it, there's a even... lot of cool character design. Yeah. Oh yeah. They did such a great job with all the character designs and I don't want to spoil that tree one, but that tree one, I'll just say was my favorite interaction in the whole game. And okay. it had me laughing out loud, like just laughing out loud. Like I couldn't, it was so funny uh, what they did there. And it was, it was great. Delivery from the voice actor, great back and forth between Lil and the monster. And it's 
like again it's when you play this game it's not what you think you know uh every scenario kind of makes you have to to think but the great part is like it doesn't punish you when you get something wrong because you have this uh, early on in the game you find this they call it the chronometer 3000 it basically allows you to rewind time so the game very much like tells you your star rating when you when you do an interaction for each person at the gate and it'll say like you got two stars the max is four here's the things you did right but then they give you a little bit of clue like well maybe if you press them a little more you would have found out more information or maybe mm-hmm. if you used a specific tool you could have found an item or something and the game is very generous in allowing you to rewind a good chunk of times to the point where you can probably get four stars across the board just by sort of following the hints and using the right tools, which I think is great because as someone who really appreciates a game that respects your time, um, I think this game is set up in a way to like, if you want to get the four stars, uh, it's not mandatory. I think mandatory is like two and then later on it's 2.5, but getting the four stars definitely gets you more stuff. So it, it, it does encourage you to get those four stars, but the time travel aspect really allows you to not have to worry about like reloading saves. You can just like, okay, I've got six times that I can rewind and I'm only going to see three people. Like this is fine. I'll, I'll be fine here. Um, so it, it really encourages you to experiment and try new things. And, um, there's like a, a phone, a phone and advisor too, where when you're at the gate, like you can call specific people on the council to get advice and, Sometimes there are rules for specific days of like, for example, like uh, you, at the start of your shift, you'll get like a rule, a rule sheet and it'll say like, okay, if someone's here, like morale is really low in the city. If any entertainers come, call this person right away and let them in, you know, because we need entertainers. Uh, and, and there's little stuff like that where it's like if you, you want to follow the rules so that you you are letting the right, not only letting the right people in, but letting, you know, not delaying people or harassing them you know you're 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 following the rules so it's a really fun experience uh i really enjoyed it especially if you loved uh papers please and you're looking for like a softer more comedic um and cartoony uh feel like this is the one to go for and like i said fully voice acted all of it is superb the art style is great and uh i played it on steam deck works great on steam deck so um it's available now on, I think, PC, and it might be available on some consoles, but I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I played it on PC, but I should have looked this up. I feel like it. it looks it looks switchy. I don't know. Uh, That's true. Where where else, like if it actually is available? Hang on, platforms. Uh, oh, it says yeah, like Switch, everywhere. PC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Xbox. Everything. Yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, uh, and under twenty five bucks. Yeah, for a Canadian on Steam. So. Yep. And it is, uh, oh, and it's made out of Toronto. That's really cool. So not too far from us. That's yeah, really I think I'm going to check this one out because it looks really, again, like all about the things I can play on console and uh, anything I can, you know, single player put down at any point in time. <laughs> and I won't necessarily, like that I can basically, anything I can pause. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this this looks really cool. Yeah, I think you'll love it. it. It'll definitely respect your time, especially if you play it on Switch and you can just like put it to sleep. Um, have you finished it i'm very close i meant to finish it before we we talked about it but i think i'm in the last couple stages and 
the game does a really good job of um, mixing things up. Like once you feel you get used to the general loop, um, it kind of changes things up. Like I said, it added that night shift mode. And then now Mm -hmm. I'm in a mode where I'm like recruiting people for war. And then that has effects. And all throughout the game, it's like whenever you make a choice, there's a little like telltale dialogue of like, this will affect the sprawl and like, Right. Okay. You know, there are consequences, not necessarily consequences. I found they're not consequences. They're more like it affects sort of the dialogue and events that happen depending on your choices. So there's consequences. Well, (laughs) yes, no, you're, you're absolutely no good catch. You're absolutely right. There are consequences, but for, I guess there are not like, it won't end your game. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh, although (laughs) it's so funny. There are game over moments um where uh and again i don't want to spoil it but there are like game over moments where you will get instant game overs and i took a screenshot of it and it's like uh, basically like the game over screen was there was fire everywhere and lil with fully voice acted like pops onto screen it's like i didn't know this was that kind of game like literally everyone died so again it's it's such a fun funny game that doesn't take itself seriously and honestly like it's it's a quick pick up and play um i've put about 10 hours into it and i'm i'm almost done. yeah i was gonna ask if you were getting close to done how how long are we looking at but yeah 10 10 to 15 hours is a is a good chunk for again like i say it was like less than 25 bucks over on steam canadian so it's probably yeah. probably 20 american i would guess yeah you'll like it you'll really i think you'll enjoy it like i said it's fully voice acted so you can kind of you know there are moments where it's kind of reminds me of like a bit of a visual novel in that you're kind of walking around the screen and interacting with elements. There are moments of that, but then on the, at the guard shed, you're kind of just picking menu items and making choices. So there isn't like a lot of like uh, in-depth it's interactions. It's not an action game, yeah. No, yeah. And you can kind of sit back and listen to the dialogue and, and sort of, you know, click through it as it goes at your own pace. Like it's not auto-advanced, so it's it's really just, it's at your own pace I mean, really, you had me at voice acted because that was the thing that I hated so much about like the DVD dating game and stuff, right? Like it just sometimes I'm just not in the mood to read. (laughs) The voice acting is superb. I I have no no complaints. And again, like it is it the voice acting at times is like over the top, but it fits the feels like that would fit this style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like it's like a it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's great. They they really nailed it. That sounds awesome. I think I am going to check that one out because uh, it sounds right up my alley right now. So and and honestly, I need a little bit of a change. So I'm playing Coral Island uh, because like we talked about in our game of the year uh, discussion, it actually like came out of early access. We got the the 1.0 release. And so but I hadn't gone back to play. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this another shot because it's probably changed a lot because I remember um, when I first got into it. It took me like I got really into it and it took me like two or three play sessions, but I kind of like got to the end of the content that they'd put in the game because, again, early access. And then I didn't touch it for, you know, nine months or so. And uh, now they've they've oh, my God, there's so much content. There's so much to do. uh, And I've gotten so much further. So it still uh, had a lot of polish in early access that's still there now. Like I haven't hit anything, anything glitchy or broken. And, you know, like I love uh, the art style and the gameplay loop and stuff, but like, I feel like I've been playing a lot of this style of game lately where it's like, Hey, you have a house and you can craft furniture for it. And also you have a farm, but you can collect a whole bunch of stuff. And 
there's like an overarching quest line. Like I just, I feel like I'm playing so, so, so many of these games right now. Um, Cause it is, it's, it's just the same as Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> like just the same. It, I guess, sorry, I should say just the same, only different. Um, there is like the cleaning up of the ocean and the environmentalism message. Um, but it's very like Stardew Valley-esque. Um, including <laughs> the biggest thing, the biggest problem that I've had so far has been uh, there's a certain set of characters. So not every single character in the game, but many of the characters you can either romance or form like best friendships with. So like some of the characters are already married, so you can't romance them, but you can become best friends. And uh, so all of the characters have this like eight heart um, rating for how how close you are to them, whether that's in a relationship or, or a friendship. And the first day that I was playing, you know, when the Xbox goes idle, it pops up and says like, hey, here's an achievement that you could work towards. And one of the achievements that popped up that it told me I should work towards is having eight hearts with all available characters. So I was like, okay, that's something I'll work towards. But I couldn't figure out how to advance my relationships with anyone. It just felt like I was sitting there and, you know, every once in a while I'd get like, hey, your relationship advanced with this person. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I could not figure out what I had done to uh, increase my relationship. And then eventually I ended up looking it up and Matt was laughing at me so hard because I was like, you just have to talk to them? What do you mean I have to talk to them every day? And he's like, oh my God, do you have like real life friends? <laughs> he's like, of course, that's how you become friends with people. Go talk to them, figure out their likes and dislikes. This isn't that big of a stretch, Jocelyn. I'm like, I think I might just actually be a terrible friend. <laughs> Well, so yeah, <laughs> they have guides for Coral Island where you could just like look up and say, well, what is this person like? Well, oh, yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, but I didn't really want to do that because that's the thing, right? Like if you um, it, and again, <laughs> this all makes perfect sense if you're a good friend in real life. Um, but basically, it's like all everybody has a lot of loves, likes, uh, dislikes and hates. And but I think there might be like. 20 in each category for each person so obviously there's going to be doubles like multiple people will like blueberries um but so like if you give your friends uh you can give up to two gifts a day um things have different qualities so like when you're farming you have like no quality then like bronze silver gold platinum quality produce and stuff so like if you give them the highest quality thing of the thing that they love that'll give you more friendship points um but when you talk to them, they only have like two to four lines of dialogue every day. And they talk about all kinds of stuff. They talk about things that are going on in town. They talk about the weather, the seasons, like every day they aren't going to give you a hint. And then like, I think I was talking to the, uh, one guy who was, said something about like daisies. And so I was like, hey, maybe he just likes flowers. So like I went and got another flower for him. And he was like, this is a terrible gift. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Daisies aren't in season right now. <laughs> so I'm, but there's nowhere to like put notes. <laughs> and like when you talk to them, it doesn't like fill out their character sheet. You have to actually like 
give the gift to them to find out where it falls in their likes and dislikes. And I'm like, I don't want to waste a whole bunch of my stuff just like giving daisies to everybody on Coral Island to figure out who likes them and who hates them. Uh, But yeah, so like I do find that I find building friendships and relationships tedious, but also realize that's how these things work. Yeah, like don't you have all your friends in a town and you just you just buy like a, a huge chunk of like nonsense like a, i don't know what 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 would it be well as you said daisies you just buy like a bouquet of daisies and you go around giving a daisy to each person in town and it's like oh, do you, and seeing the reaction just wait you give them the daisy wait and then they react and you're like okay you pull your notebook okay like bill <laughs> dislikes daisies yeah do no not more give daisies bill. for bill <laughs> no and you just have to take meticulous notes and uh you won't be the town creeper it's fine <laughs> When you give someone something that they dislike or they, you know, God forbid they hate, then you lose points with them. So it's so hard to build up points. Yeah, this is the thing. And and I could look up a guide. Like, obviously, there are Coral Island guides everywhere. I could just look up a grid of, you know, what gifts to give to people when because you get bonus points if you give them, I think, on a festival day or on their birthday. Like, there's certain bonus days and higher quality items are worth more points. But yeah, there's definitely a plus and minus system. So you can't, re- I mean, you could trial and error it. But um, yeah, and I could look it up. I just wish it was like, obviously these conversations would be super weird, but I wish you could just go up to someone and they were like a robot. They're like, I like hyacinths. I like pumpkins. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> and I could be like, excellent. I'm going to go get those things for you. <laughs> But yeah, you actually have to talk to them like every single day. <laughs> I seriously sound like the worst person. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying in that like in Coral Island. Well, there's like, there's gotta be, I don't know, maybe like 40 people that uh, you have these relationships to manage them. Like trying to find all 40 people every single day. And then, I mean, I guess I could just focus, but at the same time, if I just focus on like one or two people, how am I going to get that achievement? It's 20 gamer points. <laughs> oh, I see. I was just about to ask, do you not hate any of them? Like usually when you play a game, not you specifically. Oh yeah, there like are some, the royal there you. are some that are like, Bleh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just, but you're There's trying to get one girl who keeps telling me how terrible I look because I'm a farmer. She's like, oh, you smell bad. You look terrible. I thought Can you take a picture of me game? next to this? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, there's like, there's school teachers and, and school oh, kids okay. and there's, yeah, there's um, people who work in like the museum and the coffee shop and the bar and the, yeah, like the, it's a full like town. You're like the farmer. Well, then you shouldn't feed that lady if she is making fun <laughs> of the way you dress. That's not right. Oh, yeah. No, she's she's definitely big influencer vibes. <laughs> she's like, can you take a picture of me in front of this coral? Like, I hate you. <laughs> oh, man. Cut off her internet or something. You know, like, just get the line. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. She's awful. But uh But you want the achievement, so you gotta like her. But yeah, if you if you're going for the achievement, then you have to make her like you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound very fun. I I mean, but I, I totally understand what you're what you're going for. And um yeah, for me, I think this is the reason when when they have achievements that are very like outside sort of the typical way people would play a game, which is like they would kind of latch on to their favorite characters, 
give them more gifts and kind of just like, I don't know, maybe check in. Which I totally could do that. Yeah. Like I, there's like a couple of characters that I'll like go and try to find every day and make sure I have my conversations with them and try to figure out what they actually like. But I mean, again, like trying to figure out what they like is, is I think a little bit tedious. And I think it's because just having this like epiphany moment right now, I think it's because coming from Dreamlight Valley, uh, their likes and dislikes, or I guess just likes Dreamlight Valley doesn't have dislikes really. Um, but their likes change every day. But it tells you, like, if you go into your menus and look at the character, it'll say, like, today they want, like, this meal and, you know, this flower or this collectible or whatever. Um, so basically, it's like it changes. So you can't just, like, stack a certain flower and give it to them over and over and over to max out your relationship. But it's not like hidden, you know, it's an easy checklist and you can be like, okay, so I've given you your three gifts for the day. I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow to give you more gifts. But you know, like I've checked you off my list and this, yeah, in Coral Island, it just like their likes and dislikes never change, but they're very difficult to discover. So I guess that's kind of the trade off maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I'll get there. It's definitely the part of the game that I'm interacting with the least. And it's just because I'm keeping like achievements in the back of my head as to why I would even want to, you know, work on that part of the game at all. Um, But there it also has all the other things like it it has a like dungeons that you have to go and interact with because that's how you get the materials to upgrade your tools. There's the whole cleaning up the ocean thing, which has its whole like kind of separate storyline. There's like the town storyline and then the ocean storyline. And then the actually the dungeon has its own storyline, too. So there's quite a lot of um, story and quest content available in Coral Island, which is nice. Uh, You kind of feel like each part that you do, you're getting rewarded for. And there's also a lot of um, story behind the relationships as well but i find that it's like because the system is so convoluted like there's no um progress bar like i was saying there's like points the points and stuff is basically what people have figured out like looking um, on the back end and and grinding all this stuff out there's no like progress bar it's just like every once in a while randomly you or it feels random you'll get like hey you got an extra friendship point with this person or that person or whatever and those will give you story moments but like because you may or may not have had all these conversations with this person or whatever like they just they come out of nowhere and it's just when you enter a certain part of town it's like you'll enter into this like cutscene, like um one of the characters that I was helping to uh, improve the museum with like bought a couch and needed me to help him carry the couch. And I'm like, if I hadn't walked by the furniture store, like you would have just been standing there with your couch for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just seems like they're just, they're really random and they don't flow. Um, But there definitely are more relationship um, like cutscenes the further on you get through those relationship stories. But uh, but yeah, like I say, they don't seem like they interact with the rest of the world as well as the larger quest lines of like the town and the ocean and the like all of that feels very linear. The relationship stuff, I think, is what I feel like is the least well implemented um, of all the stuff in Coral Island. But it's all still really fun, to be honest. Like I, I am really enjoying myself and it takes like I'm 
like two and a half seasons through. So there's four seasons in the game. Obviously, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter. I'm halfway through fall now. And each there's 28 days in each season. And each day takes about like 15, 20 minutes to get through, depending on like what it is you're doing. Like some days are faster than others because you basically end the day whenever you run out of energy or like want to save and advance the world. So like you can end a day at two o'clock in the afternoon if you're finished everything you want to do for the day. Or there's sometimes where I'll be like cleaning up the ocean. I'll take a bunch of food with me to max out my energy and that I'll play all the way to midnight because it kind of like it doesn't let you play through the night period. Um, It will kick you back to your house. So it will basically like take that. Those are like the 20 minute long days in like real time. So I think I've probably played, oh, I don't even know, probably like 10 or 15 hours so far. And I haven't even made it through like a full year, like all four seasons. So and that's the other thing. There's like festivals and there's like annual events. So like there was a festival that I missed, I think, at the end of spring or beginning of summer because I didn't have animals unlocked yet on my farm. And so now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to wait another like 15 hours of gameplay (laughs) for that thing to come up again for me to participate in. So it's definitely designed to be a very big, long, grindy game. Uh, But I am enjoying my time, so I think I'm okay with that. (laughs) But it's, it's long for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, but like, that's the thing. Like, I think if you're enjoying the time, it does... It does sound unfortunate that um, the relationships aren't like a huge, uh, a huge win for the game, because I remember Stardew Valley, which is kind of like what kicked off this whole genre, uh, or at least not not the whole genre. Obviously, there was Harvest Moon and all that before Stardew Valley. But I think Stardew Valley kind of brought it back into uh, sort of the you know, the popularity of it gaming all, but, consciousness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember people saying about Stardew Valley, like, you know, the romance and the friendships and stuff and that were like, really like there was a there was a payoff there. And it was and people which really and there it. might be in Coral Island, too, because, again, I'm not focused right now. There's no character that's really standing out. There's a lot to choose from. And there's no character that's really standing out to me. So I've only got like I think two stars out of eight is my maximum relationship right now. So there could be some more in-depth, like, payoff quest content. It might exist. Sure. Um, And I just haven't made it there yet. That's totally possible. Because, like, there are some characters, like Instagram influencer and uh, coffee shop owner guy. Like, I have tried to talk to this coffee shop owner guy every single day. And... Every single day, he's just talking about fucking coffee. <laughs> like, well, okay, I love coffee, but honestly, get another interest because I've talked to you every day, and the only thing I know you like is coffee. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just trying Someone. to sell his coffee, right? Because right? he said he's a coffee shop owner. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, dude, you're more than your work. Come on, exactly, exactly. So like, well, I'm a big uh, yeah. fan of tea, you know. Like, it's just like, oh god, warm drinks. This guy, yeah, I don't know. This guy is warm drinks. But yeah, like, so I feel like, um, and, and actually I think his care, I have like, I think I have one or maybe one and a half hearts with him. And then I think the blacksmith who I go to almost every day, cause he, he gives me stuff for my geodes and my treasure chests and stuff that I found. So like, those are the two characters that I've talked to almost every day. 
And they, I think I have like two hearts with them. And still, I don't have a whole lot of like, I guess, um, cut scenes and content. Like, I don't feel like I even really know their characters all that well. So, like I say, there might be a payoff, but I don't know. Like, it, it seems like maybe potentially they've gone for quality over quantity or sorry, quantity over quality. Because like I say, I think there's probably about 40 people that you can have relationships with of one type or another in the game. So, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I just need to, like, focus my efforts a little bit more. But, yeah, maybe maybe I should just pick one character and I can come back next week and and let you know how that goes. I'll just pick one character, see if I can max it out and see what that does for like a, a story. But uh, yeah, so far I haven't I haven't really been all that impressed because, like I say, the the cutscenes and encounters seem almost random. Like there's no reason I can see for some of the cutscenes that I've gotten. Whereas like I have other characters with higher relationships where I've seen nothing of yet. So I'll try to max somebody out and I'll report back. Yeah. Pick someone you really like in the game. Be like, all right, I'm going to. And maybe it's someone who really likes daisies. I don't know. But um, <laughs> just go that well, no, route. It's definitely not going to be that person if I can remember who it is, because uh, <laughs> daisies are a spring flower. So uh, fuck that. <laughs> spring is too far away. I need somebody who likes winter things. <laughs> right. Yes. Snowballs. Uh, what other stuff can you give people? <laughs> winter. <laughs> Skating. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, so I so I've been playing Coral Island. I think it's been um like I mean it's the content has expanded a long way since early access. Oh, the one thing I did want to mention in early access, if you played in early access and you have a save from there, which is what I had, um, it doesn't carry over. The only thing that actually carries over, and I think it's because they have changed a lot of the content and they expanded a lot of the quests and stuff. So some of the stuff that you maybe worked through in early access had changed so significantly your saves don't work anymore so um it allowed me to open up my character again and use that same save file and it gave me my currency so my gold carried over which was amazing so like i had to replay through spring and do a lot of that content again but i was able to like go to the general store and buy my huge backpack again and so, like, I didn't have to, to you know, worry about money at the beginning. So it kind of let me jump back into the game a little bit quicker. Like, I didn't have to do a big farming grind to get some money off the start. So that was kind of, that was really good. I was glad that there was, like, some payoff to, to early access. So, yeah, I had, like, 25,000 gold that I was able to use to start the game off, which was really cool. But, yeah, if you had a save and you played through some Coral Island content in early access, just be aware you're going to have to start from the beginning in terms of uh, story. So, yeah. Yeah. But you will get your gold, which was nice. That is a nice way to handle it. I think yeah. that uh, a lot of games will just wipe saves and, and for good purpose, like there's a lot of changes over early access. And usually that big push for 1.0 makes the most, you know, infrastructure changes to, to the game in the back end. So I get it. But being able to look at a save file and say like, okay, like let's, convert their progress to resources without you know uh ruining uh, yeah without or, or ruining spoiling. your progression yeah yeah spoiling the experience of having too much gold but i think if you know they know their game best they can probably make some do some math quick math and be like okay if we give this person 
X amount of gold, it'll give them the opportunity to to skip through some of the tedious stuff and and get a little closer to where they were, I guess. But no, mm-hmm. I think that's a good way. You got to reward players that were were basically helping develop the game. So yeah, that's smart. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think overall Coral Island thumbs up. I'll report back next week about relationship things. But other than that, I think if you haven't checked it out, um, it's definitely worth it. Again, if you are enjoying the style of game that seems to be the only thing I'm playing lately, but uh, that will change soon. Uh, as we talked about last week, all the things we're looking forward to in 2024, there's a lot of stuff on that list. that'll be very, very different. So yeah, looking forward to that. If you do like what Ryan and I are doing here at the gamers in, please do consider heading on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. If you want your name here as our February patron, again, that is patreon.com slash the gamers in. That also helps us do things like the TGI Game Club. You guys are still playing through Last of Us. Um, how close are you to done Last of Us Part 1? Yeah, we're heading into uh, the halfway point. So we're at milestone three of six, which includes the whole uh, Part 1 as well as the uh, piece of DLC that uh, that was part of it. So we're, about, we're just about to hit the halfway mark. Um, and got to say... Uh, having experienced that intro scene th- multiple times now th- in different mediums, uh, it still hurts. It's still it's still a painful, uh, painful experience. But that game is is something is something special. So uh, really excited to be playing through it again. And uh, we just we just got through um, the bill section of the game. So uh, which is one of my one of my favorites because Bill's great. Can't go wrong with Bill in The Last of Us. So yeah, I know he yeah. was very different in the in the game versus the TV show, but I liked that uh, as much as that episode was like a random departure from sure. you know the main storyline and what was going on with the main characters. Uh, I still thought that that character was just so great, and I really yeah. liked seeing that uh, that evolution and learning more about him. And and again, like they're very different between the TV show and the game, from what I understand. But still, yeah, great character in both places. Yeah, no, the show. Uh... The show takes the character from the game and just really expands upon it in a way that's much more interesting than straight up adapting that section of the game. It's a very it's a very gameplay heavy part of the game where you are a lot of combat, a lot of traversing through the map and avoiding traps and and killing zombies. And the show uh, really did a, a like a lot of work to, to address the pacing uh in in adapting like a a game that frankly had to throw in a lot of action scenes because video games um (laughs) with a tv show like you you kind of throw a lot of that stuff out a little more breathing room yeah exactly so you know that episode is one of my favorite episodes even though it is technically sort of like a um it's like like, a little mini movie in the middle of your tv show (laughs) yeah but it's an exploration of these characters that really were just um you know very small parts of the video game, but expanding upon the the setup of the video game and, and sort of the stuff that's um, left both said and unsaid, depending on how much you interact with the game. Like if you just like oh, on to the next scene, you might miss some stuff that that would have explored a little bit more about the relationship between Bill and, and Frank in the video game. Um, but uh, that's the beauty of taking a, a something and adapting it is you can kind of expand upon it, especially when you have the original creators. So um, you can kind of like, you know, pull apart 
certain parts of the game and like, let's focus in on these characters. So I, I, I actually wanted to rewatch the show while we were doing the game club. Uh, and I know I can still do that. I'm, I'm way behind obviously cause I haven't started, but <laughs> I would like to watch it again. I think Ashley and I were going to watch it, but it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting into that mindset of like, you know, do we want to watch the last of us while Ryan's also playing the last of us when we really, <laughs> yeah, we how could much just last of us is too much. Last of us. <laughs> yeah. So we've just been watching 30-minute comedies on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> that's kind of where our brains are at. So that's what we need. So that's what we're doing. Last of Us isn't quite uh, what we're looking for at this stage. But yes, that's the Game fair. Club's awesome. It's it's going really well. And again, if you want to get involved with the Game Club, do head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord, all of the uh, threads and everything like that. Uh, that you can follow along with. And you don't have to finish everything uh, at the same time. You can jump into a thread that's a couple of weeks old. Everything stays up there in the Discord if you want to get involved with that. That brings us to the news this week. We had an Xbox developer direct and uh, the Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Uh, that looks really cool. That's the one thing that I kind of um, kind of centered in on, I guess, on in this uh I thought it looked really cool. And it like it looks like Harrison Ford and like kind of sounds like Harrison Ford, but not like exactly, exactly to the point that like it seems like it's its own character kind of thing, but looks just like him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it looks like a fun game. It's it's like first person, which is kind of weird, I thought. Yes. Yeah. The developers machine games are known for their first person shooters for the uh, the revival of uh, Wolfenstein. Uh, they did two games for Wolfenstein, and um, the really interesting part. Yeah, I, I also latched onto that the the, the voice acting for uh, Indiana Jones. It's it's Troy Baker. Speaking of The Last of Us, but he is doing. There are moments in the game where it's like that sounds like a young yeah, person. Yeah, there was there was like one or two words every yeah. once in a while that I was like, oh wait, hang on. But then yeah. the rest of it just felt like its own indie character you know yeah it's the cadence i think in and yeah, how maybe. he's talking in certain moments where um i think the moments where it sounds like harrison harrison ford like from the indiana jones films is when he when troy baker is nailing that cadence and that delivery and it's like the pauses and and just the delivery and i'm glad that they captured that in the trailer uh i mean they're I, I think the first person view is going to be interesting. It kind of, you know, ever since Metroid Prime was announced, like they took a side scrolling uh, adventure game, Metroidvania, and turned it into a first person exploration game. I, I think, you know, perspective and setup of gameplay, uh, it doesn't, it like it shouldn't be judged before you try it, right? So I, and, and obviously this is machine games. They're known for their first person shooters. So like, I'm not surprised that it's a first person, but I'm like pleasantly looking forward to exploring it. And of course you have a lot of those third person uh, action camera scenes like you did in yes, Metroid Prime, yeah. you know, like with the whip and uh, the swinging and the cutscenes, of course. So um, I think they're going to nail that, that combination. And uh, it looks like, uh, like a great, you know, old school Indiana Jones story. Um and yeah, day one Game Pass. Can't go wrong with that. It's a big title for Game Pass, I think. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a big license and a big, you know, big stars attached to it. You've got um, 
Yeah, it looks really cool. And and this is the first we've seen of it. We've obviously known of it for a while, but mm-hmm. it's the first we're yeah, seeing. Yeah, this of was it. the this was the gameplay reveal. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh I was impressed and I'm looking forward to it. It's coming out I think we just got twenty twenty four as the date. No mm-hmm. like, Yeah, no actual no no month even. Just yeah. Yeah. Which it probably means like holiday, right? <laughs> if it was gonna imagine. be in the first half, they would have given us more information. Yeah, like twenty twenty four is going to be a busy year for xbox in general in terms of releases and um it's it's going to be interesting because i think this is the first year where xbox is actually going to have first party titles releasing regularly you know like not just one a year this is going to be like there's others that were even talked about in this direct um with avowed and senua's saga which which both got confirmed one got a release date and one got a window. and But those are big first-party titles that we're going to be able to play this year on Xbox. Hellblade 2 is a lot of people are really looking forward to that. And I know you really enjoyed the first one. Um, but what what are your thoughts on Avowed? Because, I mean, at first I was pretty stoked, but I feel like the more I see of it, the less excited I am. Yeah, there's something... Um... It's hard it to pinpoint. Low to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. That I I agree with you there. There's there's something about the gameplay that kind of felt a little meandering. Like yeah, a bit. yeah. It looks to me like when when they were showing like in game footage of like doing abilities and stuff. I was like, is this like in slow motion? Are they moving through molasses? Like what is happening? Something about this is so weird. Like just the pacing and the cadence of what is happening on screen doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> like it feels all too heavy. Like everybody's yeah. wearing big lead shoes. <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. And I mean, it's we're past the point, I think, where you can just like invoke Skyrim and make another one of those. It didn't work for us with starfield i know it worked for some but like i like obsidian games uh, i think they 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 do a good job at, at making titles uh, that are fun to play and i think the trailer i think just the direct didn't do it at least for me didn't do it any favors in trying to set it out from like other rpgs of that style outside of like the um just the art style like i think like i think the art style is like it was pretty um it, it, was, it was pretty average but but the colors they use like the color palette like it wasn't just another like starfield was very what was space it was like steel dust you know there were some environments that were lush and whatnot but i think with avowed even though they kind of like it still looks like a higher resolution skyrim it's got more color to it. I found like the color palette mm-hmm. was more, more vibrant, which is nice to see. Um, but I, I don't think the direct did it any favors because it, it kind of felt like the, like weird snippets of the game, um, like very controlled, like very um, set up and per- purposeful, you know, as opposed to like yeah. someone actually playing the game, you know? Right, right. That was my vibe, but I could be completely wrong, in which I hope I am, because honestly, I I I was looking forward to Avowed, and I I hope it lands, you know. 
Um, yeah, I think it th- it's now kind of moved into my wait and see category is like, I'll see when it comes out, see what people are saying and go from there. But like, yeah, I remember when it was first announced being really excited. But there's the more I see and the more I hear, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, maybe not. Maybe this isn't the thing for me. So, yeah, that was I kind of felt middling after this direct. So, yeah, but I know Hellblade 2 people are really stoked about it, and everything I see about that looks it almost looks better and better every time. So I think, uh, yeah, that's really exciting. And I know you'll you'll play it first thing and tell me if it's good. Although I never played the first one, but I know you really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's unique. It's it's just a different, it, it was a different experience. Um, and I, I think that, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the company behind it, but they, they do a lot of really great work with mocap and, and uh, voice acting and stuff like that. So... Yeah, Senua's Saga uh, Hellblade Ninja Theory. good. Yeah, Ninja, Ninja Theory. Theory. I, I was thinking, like, is it Ninja Theory? But there's another company that has a similar name, but it's not. Maybe it's not Ninja Theory. Anyway, the, the other company. But, yes, I am looking forward to that one. I'm curious to to see uh, what that one's like. And, and again, like, it's, I think it's May, late May, that it's going to be coming out. So, not a terribly long wait. Like, you know, I don't want to say May's around the corner. Uh, May 23rd. Yeah. A couple more months to wait still. Yeah. No, that's fine. We can wait. We can wait. We got we got February. We got Alan Wake 2 to play. So we, yeah. we don't want to rush things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I also had a state of play out of PlayStation. Um, what caught your eye here? Okay. So I was running around crazy when this launched. Uh, and I did not get to watch it live. And my understanding, having not watched it, which isn't fair to say, but I'm going to say it anyways, is that not a whole <laughs> lot was announced that was like kind of, you know, what I was looking for. But then I did this, you know, thing where I sat down and I go to the PlayStation channel and kind of like watch the trailers and uh, and skip ones that aren't uh, of terrible interest to me. But I think um, different from Xbox and what I assume Nintendo is going, is, which does every year, is is Sony is really they're taking an off year for their first party titles. Uh, and I know a lot of folks are going to say, well, there's still going to be games for PlayStation. Like, absolutely. Sony is very good at securing third and uh, third party exclusives for their console. And I think that's what we saw a lot of in this state of play and, and really is going to be how PlayStation handles this year. As of right now, we don't know of a first party game scheduled for 2024, like the horizons, the Spider-Man's, the God of Wars, the Uncharted's, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all we've gotten so far is the, um, the last of us part two remaster. And this state of play did not have any first party titles. It had obviously like console exclusives, uh, and a lot of third party stuff, stuff that's probably going to be coming to other consoles. So, I'll kick things off with uh, Sonic because I know you're a big fan. <laughs> um, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Jocelyn, you're just going to have to trust me on this. I know I'm not like, you know, the most trustworthy person when it comes to talking about Sonic stuff, but Sonic Generations is probably the best Sonic game that oh has ever God. come out. It's the, I'm not joking. <laughs> you're this right. I not, don't trust you at all. <laughs> I know you don't. And I know people at home are like, it sucks so bad that Ryan burned that 
specific Sonic bridge with Jocelyn. She's not going <laughs> to believe him. And I could sit here for 15 minutes talking about why Sonic Generations is, is actually a good Sonic game as opposed to the other ones that are filled with weird gimmicks that would totally throw anybody off who has better things to do, like deliver daisies to 40 people on an island where you only <laughs> like three quarters of them. But <laughs> Sonic Generations was a game that came out in the 360 era that was a merging of old school Sonic and new school Sonic. So 3D Sonic and 2D Sonic. And you would have levels that were of the 3D realm and then of the 2D realm. Um, they're remastering that game and they're adding uh, Shadow the Hedgehog, which, you know, isn't a selling point. The main selling point is that they're remastering it. Shadow's okay. He's like the edgy Sonic who uses guns yeah. <laughs> and skates with rocket shoes or whatever. Uh, he's all right. But... Sonic Generations remaster is really cool. Uh, Stellar Blade is like this Bayonetta uh, mixed with Nier style, like action adventure game that's uh, coming out for PS5. Um, it is a Sony published title, but not first party, but it looks good. It'll be out in April. Uh, Day of the Divers getting a Godzilla DLC. Um, Which is so we just finished uh, Monarch, the TV show. So oh, nice. good, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so we're like right in the monster verse now. So we just watched the 2014 Godzilla movie and now we're going to watch King Kong. Like we're, we are right in this headspace right now. So I saw this and I was like, huh, <laughs> I guess they're trying to, maybe because of the TV show, I don't, who knows, but like, yeah, the timing was, was funny, but yeah, man, I love Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, monster verse that has sort of been put together by legendary, um, that's kind of started off a little like started in 2014 and kind of like you know kept on trucking and then now it's kind of hit its stride funny enough with um with king kong and 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 godzilla and all that but i have not watched monarch yet but uh i really it's, do want to i really enjoyed it it's really good i mean there's a couple of characters that i could like the show could have done without but sure um, but yeah, I think overall the the story was really, really interesting because it kind of like delves into the like creation of Monarch and and it's like plays between the like the founding and and kind of uh, the time right after the 2014 uh, Godzilla movie. So after the San Francisco attack. So yeah, I'm, I really enjoyed it. That, that like totally aside <laughs> has nothing yeah. to do with Dave the Diver Godzilla. But yeah, the Monarch is really good. I highly recommend it. Yeah, this is um so this DLC so Dave the Diver just had a um a crossover with Dredge. So it's I think it's going to be in a similar vein where when certain conditions are met like Godzilla will show up and there'll be some mm -hmm. story stuff to that. Um but this was alongside the announcement that Dave the Diver is coming to PlayStation 5. Uh there was some Silent Hill stuff which I you know, I'm uh I wasn't impressed with the Silent Hill 2 remake stuff. I know Silent Hill 2 is like a beloved game that people love. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, when you have Capcom releasing like superb remakes of their zombie classics, I just I I was not impressed with what I saw for Silent Hill 2. It looked really. Uh, well, you know, we played the past Bloober games with the medium. It looked like an extension of that very like stiff animations and just. I don't know. It didn't it didn't jump out at me, but uh the short that they released. So you know how they had PT for the PlayStation 4? Uh and then it got it was supposed to be Silent Hill and then it got all canceled and there was some weirdness with Kojima. Mm -hmm. Um 
but they are do, they did another one. So Konami's done another one. It's called Silent Hill: The Short Memory or something, and it is this like free to play experience. Looks incredibly freaky. I will not be playing it. I watched the trailer and I was like, <laughs> "That's enough for me." That looks really good. So uh, the team that did the short, awesome, looks great. The team that's working on Silent Hill Two, I I just wasn't impressed. So um, it didn't do it for me. Uh, but you know, uh, speaking of horror games, they also announced an until dawn remaster coming to PS five and PC. So more people will be able to experience that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because they also, uh, we just talked about, it was the last week or the week before the, that they're doing an until dawn movie. Right. So remastering the game makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So like, you know, marketing synergy, all that fun stuff, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta, you know, Check your box. Well, bringing sure. bringing the game to to more people to allow yeah. them to experience it before the movie comes out. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we uh, got another trailer for Judas, which is um, from the guy behind Bioshock, Ken Levine. It's his new game. It, right, it very much right, right, right. looks like Bioshock. Like you shoot lightning from your hands, and that's not the one that looked like because there was another game that looked a lot like Bioshock Infinite, the one that was like up in the sky. Oh, yeah, that was Clockwork something. That's a Microsoft title. Uh, But this is like, um, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, they started to set up some story, and then it's very much the main character, like, fighting robots and shooting Mm. lightning from her hand and weird guns. And I mean, it looks like a Bioshock-style experience. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I can see that now. I'm just looking at some screenshots. I missed this trailer completely. Yeah. I think like if you're a fan of the original Bioshocks, like Bioshock One, Bioshock Infinite, mm-hmm. like this is their next sort of title from that team and or sorry, from the ashes of that team because they basically like shut down the studio and yeah. Ken took like ten people and was like, We're gonna make a new game and it's just Bioshock again. Uh <laughs> so, you know, we'll have some other stuff to talk about in that vein. But uh and then it kinda ended with um Death Stranding 2 and Kojima and Sony announcing that they're going to work on an action uh, espionage game that will be part video game, part movie. So it's basically like Sony saying like, hey, this paid off giving you a bunch of money for Death Stranding. Let's do like (laughs) basically Metal Gear Solid. But, you know, it's your own thing since Konami isn't doing anything with it. You do something. We'll call it. It's not going to be Metal Gear Solid, but I'm sure it'll be, you know, in that vein. So is it going to be quantum breaky then with like TV show episodes <laughs> interspersed with the gameplay? Uh, maybe they didn't really get into it. They just they, it, like and funny enough, like there were articles talking about the partnership that were they might have had a press release or something. But the but the announcement was very much it's a video game, but we're going to take advantage of new technologies. And, and it was shot on the Sony lot like it kind of zoomed out and it was like on the Sony pictures lot. So there's talk that there is like a movie component to it. And Kojima has talked a lot about like being a big, huge fan of movies and originally wanting to be a director. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was sort of a combination of live action and uh, video game. And they haven't even, they haven't even started it. They've announced that they're working on it, but they're not going to start working on it. Yeah. Cause they're working on Death Stranding too, which yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're busy with Death Stranding too. So I promise you this is I mean, is I feel bad. So so this this I didn't like miss, like the Judas stuff I missed. 
Death Stranding 2, I skipped. There's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I looked at the trailer and it was like nine minutes and I was like, nope. <laughs> okay, but what you missed, so there's some weirdness. So first of all, you missed this. There's a, a lady. She has a scarf, but the scarf are gloves, but the gloves are alive and they react to what's happening. Um. And it's just the wildest thing. It, you know what it reminded me of? Like, okay, I know this doesn't exist in Harry Potter, but it kind of reminded me of like if there were enchanted scarves that were just gloves and they reacted to what you needed. <laughs> like they get, like if you need an extra pair of hands, the the scarf was oh an extra pair of hands. You're you know? really not selling it. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell it. I'm trying to explain okay. what's happening. I'm not. Okay. I, you're not going to play. You're you're trying. I'm what trying if to. It was a scarf, but gloves. Exactly. You know. So that's one aspect that people are kind of losing their minds over. Another one is, and I actually think this is cool. There's a talking puppet that's alive <laughs> and talks and reacts. And, but it's animated in like uh, its own sort of way in the sense that it's like, uh, like half the frames. So it's kind of stop motiony a little bit. It talks with a British accent, um, <laughs> gets upset when Sam, the main character tries to hook him onto his butt. He's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to be on the in the rear. I want to be in the front. Put me in the front seat. Um, there's an, a live puppet that talks with a British accent. Are you sold? Is that gonna do it? No. Okay. What about Troy Baker as the Joker and or the guy from The Crow with a uh, electric guitar, sword slash electric beam thing weapon? What do you think? What is this game? No. <laughs> do you want to know what the subtitle is? What? It's called Death Stranding 2 on the beach. No beach to be found in the trailer from what I saw. Uh, so Honestly, like, I mean, I know some people think that he's absolutely brilliant, but I just, I cannot follow the train of thought behind <laughs> these games. Like, I, I can't. I I don't know. I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I saw a meme uh, going around on Twitter shortly after the trailer, and it was like basically like this thing of like Kojima just keeps pitching stuff that is like just bad shit, and he says like, okay, this is the one where people are gonna say I've gone too far, and like everyone loves like the scarf glove thing, <laughs> and, and or the. The puppet, I think, is an interesting, but it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But let's stick with the scarf. Well, the example. puppet reminds me of uh, Mimir from God of War, yes. except for I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what if the puppet was just Mimir's voice? Or no. is it the puppet that's the problem? I think it's the puppet that's the you problem. Think it's... it's just it's, A severed head is one thing. A puppet is too far. <laughs> right. You know why the puppet doesn't work for me? It's because of uh, it's because of the Saw films. I think the Saw films mm. kind of ruined creepy ruined puppets. puppets. <laughs> you know, all puppets, really. That's you know, fair. that and like every other horror podcast out there, like lore and stuff. It's like, it's just it's too many stories of haunted puppets. It's ruined mm. it for everyone. Um, I, I mean like, yeah, so and the Saw did it, but not Annabelle. <laughs> I never watched that. I mean, like that oh, okay. came after Saw, didn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of horror films. I, I'm good. That's fair. Uh, but I, this is the thing, the gameplay. So the cutscenes. so also there's a moment in the cutscene where I thought my TV went where like <laughs> the characters had no, like they were all washed out. They didn't have color. They were kind of like. Uh, they were kind of like the characters were in black and white, but the environment was in 
full color and I'm like like I was gonna get up and like hit my TV screen like is this thing on what's going on I don't know it just went away so I was like was that I feel the like trailer what's going on is it should just be Death Stranding 2 colon what's going on <laughs> yeah but the gameplay is the same the, a lot of the gameplay showed you know Daryl from Walking Dead walking with some boxes so you know and and in my mind, I feel I've never played Death Stranding, and I think this would be an interesting experiment that I'm willing to take on after Alan Wake 2. I have Death Stranding through like the Epic Game Store for free. I really feel like it is just like that gameplay pushing you just to get to the next cutscene. Like if I can just deliver this package on time and pee in this bottle so I don't get fired by Amazon, <laughs> I will be able to see the next crazy cutscene that involves. A baby, literally, there's a baby that gives. So the baby giving the thumbs up from the first one in this one is like it's a baby giving a thumbs up. Then he like throws up a small drone, but is cool with it. And then the drone flies out and does some stuff. It's really weird, Jocelyn. It's nine minutes. You'll never get back. But yeah, that's why I didn't watch it. I'm like, I don't have nine minutes to give you, Kojima. I'm sorry. I don't. I can't. No. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I watched it. I watched the whole thing. You need to figure thing. out who likes daisies. <laughs> I That's don't have true. time for you. <laughs> you can do it a second screen it, you know? You can watch it on your iPad while you play starting, <sighs> or uh, Coral Island. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Yeah. No. I'm glad some people enjoy it and are excited by the craziness. I just can't get into it. It's too weird for me. It's too out there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, there's a reason I haven't played Death Stranding. I think it's, I'm in the same boat. It's like, I, I feel like I'm worried that if I do get into the story and the cutscenes and wanting to know what's next, I will, I will hate the gameplay. I've never played mm-hmm. it, so I don't want, I'm just stating my worries, you know, but that's where my head's at. So we'll see. All right, so we've covered the fun news. Now we have the really, really crappy news. And I mean, we couldn't let the episode end without talking about this. Obviously, you guys knew this had to be coming. Uh, Microsoft has laid off 1,900 people from their Xbox gaming division, uh, which includes Activision Blizzard, which was hit hardest out of everything, uh, which, you know, obviously Activision Blizzard was just acquired by uh, Xbox gaming by Microsoft. So uh, I'm going to say this. And then immediately tell you all the reasons why it's wrong. But it makes sense (laughs) that Activision Blizzard of all of Xbox gaming would be the hardest hit because they were recently acquired. So um, as with any acquisition, you kind of expect some layoffs. I don't think anybody, myself included, expected this many layoffs and this many seemingly random layoffs. Like that's kind of what struck me is like, Layoffs always are horrible and terrible and suck. And there were a lot of people um, on like in my social media, like obviously I've been covering Blizzard content for a decade. (laughs) And, you know, so there are a lot of people that I know that work at Blizzard. Uh, Some of them are no longer employed. And it was just like it was a bloodbath. It was unbelievable. And some of them, like some of them, again, air quotes, make sense because uh, the survival game from Activision Blizzard that's been in development for years uh, was canceled. And I think that was a big shock to a lot of people. So basically that whole team gone. But then like the head of global PR for Hearthstone was laid off. It's like, why? 
Like, I understand that, you know, Xbox gaming slash Microsoft must have a PR department, but like, does Hearthstone not need PR anymore? Like, I guess they're going to just add Hearthstone into somebody else's portfolio. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I feel like we as content creators are all of a sudden going to get a whole lot less support and things like dev interviews and stuff that Blizzard used to do a lot of. Um, because now they're part of the big, you know, Xbox, Microsoft machine. So there were some layoffs that, again, quote unquote, make sense because an entire project was canceled. But at the same time, I'm like, they're still experienced game developers. You would think in an organization as big as Xbox gaming, they would be able to be like reallocated. If you're going to cancel a project, fine. But like, don't you still need other developers, art directors, QA people, like, I don't know. It was just bonkers. And I can't believe they canceled a new Blizzard IP. Like, that game, I don't know. With that much development time, it must have been close to finished. So, like, how bad was it that you're a company like Microsoft that has Game Pass available to you and you still didn't think that it was worth putting on Game Pass? Like, was the game that terrible? I, I don't know. I just, that decision came totally out of left field to me. Yeah. It, it, uh, that was, the, that was one of the biggest surprises of this news. Yeah. Was, was the fact that the survival game was canceled in a, in an age where you have Pal World coming out in early access and, and by no means and killing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, doing such a great job, but, but by no means being in like a super stable state, like I no. would imagine, I would hope that the, uh, survival game from Blizzard was in a better state than that. Um, but it, like, it's so hard to say, cause obviously you and I haven't played it. There's been stories that it was really good and a lot of fun. And then there's other stories specifically from Bloomberg talking about how the technology wasn't really living up to what they were trying to do. Uh, but it's all like, it, it all doesn't really connect with what happened, which is the fact that they canceled the game and laid off basically the whole team. Like mm-hmm. usually Blizzard in previous years would reallocate staff, like move them to other teams. And they made a big deal of like making that announcement of like, you know, like Titans, a big one, a big MMO they worked on for over five, six years. And then they canceled it, but they repurposed the team, the tech, the story, like they found yeah. a way to sort of pivot. And, um, you know, the news of laying off 1900 people like uh, three, four months after you close an acquisition and it is strict. It is not strictly just, you know, overlap in terms of duties, which there are going to be. Well, that's, I what get they, that. that's what they originally said is that, you know, like there's a lot of overlap and they're basically getting rid of redundant positions. But then, like I say, that global PR position for Hearthstone blows my mind. Like they laid off uh, 62, 60 out of 72. So there's 12 people left of the Activision Blizzard. So this is like, wow, this is COD. This is Starcraft. This is Hearthstone. This is everybody. The Activision Blizzard esports team down to 12 people laid off 60 of 72 people. Like uh, that to me doesn't feel like they are redundant positions. Like I, I don't know, maybe. Uh, yeah. Because, like, a lot of these things, a lot of these games, a lot of these projects, this like, esports, all of this stuff, like, 
if you're saying Xbox gaming already has people doing that, it's like, okay, do they have nothing on their desk right now? Like, how are you going to take on global PR for, you know, Hearthstone? How are, if you're a PR person, unless you've got nothing else in your portfolio, like that was a full-time job. So uh, unless they've got people sitting around doing nothing at Xbox gaming, like I don't understand how these positions were redundant unless again, which is what's probably going to happen is either they're going to rehire people with less experience at, you know, lower salaries, or they're going to hire contract people instead of permanent people, then they don't have to pay benefits, or they're going to expect one person to do the job of two people. And it's just not possible. And we're going to see a decline in quality, right? Like those are the possibilities. And they're all yeah. shitty for us on the outside as consumers. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I, I honestly, I, with this news, I don't see, I don't see why as a company, Microsoft is now a, a three trillion or a trillion dollar company or, or whatever. Like they're, they are, they're one they of the most. They have money. They have money. <laughs> they have office money. They have wow money. Now they have call of duty money. They have uh, Game Pass money. Like they have, they have access to funds, and as a company that has constantly uh, had Phil Spencer talking about games and developers and making more games for their box, their Xbox, it's it boggles my mind that you would even it would even cross your 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 brain or your to do list or your Outlook inbox to fire. 1900 people because like honestly there is no redundancy when it comes to the making games like these people that are making games because honestly you should be able to move them to other projects Mm -hmm. you should be having them working on other games because like you've committed yourself to making games like i don't it doesn't even make sense you know and the, the thing i think that we were so hoping for was that exact scenario is microsoft has so much money they're gonna you know bring activision blizzard into the fold there's a lot of talented devs there's a lot of good work being done and this would give activision blizzard the space to create because you know for for a long time or like blizzard specifically um, for a long time felt like it was kind of like under Activision's thumb. There were a lot of decisions that were made that felt like it was, you know, money first, gameplay second, which was really frustrating um, as fans of a lot of their franchises. So it felt like hopefully because Microsoft had a bigger bottom line that maybe we would see a return to old Blizzard where it was, you know, creativity, gameplay experiences first and, you know, fuck loot boxes and fuck 18 different types of currency in one game and like all of those little things designed to trick people into spending money like we wouldn't have to do that anymore we could get back to like og blizzard and they could make you know good mechanically interesting and fun games and that uh, maybe that was just you know me wishing for you know 25 years ago capitalism to come back instead of whatever bullshit investor share crap we've got going on now but like you know it just i don't know it it just feels so gross and it's the scenario that was probably inevitable but i think we were really hoping wouldn't happen naive i guess but yeah yeah no and i i i I share that feeling too. I think it's um, there was a feeling that when 
all the talk leading up to, and of course, a company that wants to spend $69 billion on another company uh, is going to say what they need to say to, to get the win, right? And they did that. They said what they wanted to say, and they said what they needed to say to get through. And they, but they said stuff like, you know, they even put, there's still things in place of like, in terms of unionization, um, where they will acknowledge unions and skip the whole like, will they, won't they phase and, and acknowledge them right away or have they have some sort of agreement that skips a lot of the stuff that gets in the way of a union forming which you know with union busting and all that so there was talk there was like we thought you know as soon as microsoft buys activision blizzard and the the deal is done activision blizzard or or blizzard itself would unionize and they would be recognized and it almost feels like these layoffs were rushed to get ahead of that but honestly, mm. like I'm not, I'm not a CEO, but I really don't understand. I personally don't really understand a company like Microsoft laying off 1,900 developers of video games, whether they be esports, communications. They're all working on making great video games. If your goal is to make great video games, why do you get rid of people who make great the video talent games? you just bought? <laughs> yeah, you know, and if we're you know, I know we talked pre-show and you had brought up IP. Like, of course, yes, Microsoft now owns that IP, but, you know, IP only goes so far. Like, people want to play old Blizzard games on Game Pass, but we all want we also want to play the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can't have new stuff if you don't have folks making to new make stuff. It. Yeah. There's really no excuse. Uh, and I think it, I, I think, as you said, it's it's naive to think that these companies care because they don't, you know, these companies don't care. No, no, they don't. You would think like if they care about their bottom line, you would think releasing more video games would be good for their bottom line. So why are you firing devs if you want to release more video games? No. Yeah. And that's where my brain, I can't compute because in my mind, if I, if I'm a trillion dollar company and I want to make video games, the last thing I want to do is get rid of people that make video games. (laughs) So, you know, if you did, if you wanted to get out of the business, I 100% understand it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, at the top of the news, Xbox is going to have a big year in terms of releases because they've spent the last four years not releasing video games. Um, so are we going to have a big 2024 and then a very like loudly quiet period of time for Xbox? Like, I, I think we might be heading into another period of that, you know, like uh, which would not be great for someone who wants to sell consoles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and I mean, I think, uh, I just think like, you know, Phil Spencer used to be this, this guy, we the, the CEO of a company. It's like, maybe he's not all bad. He's a gamer. He, he's saying the right stuff. He's, he's trying to move, you know, the Xbox, you know, forward. But, but honestly, like, I think this whole thing was kind of tone deaf from, senior leadership you know and uh, i think this was the one that kind of like it was naive to think that he was a he was someone who i'm sure he cares but it was naive to think that he cares enough not to lay off two thousand people so you know we've seen that now and i it's i i feel like in four months when we're in june and we're watching the xbox press conference i think we need to we need to remember this moment when he's going games, games are great. Gamers are great. Developers are great. You know, like when he's doing that and reading the script, that's been polished by like six different legal teams. Like, I think we just need to be remembering 
this moment. And uh, it's going to be hard to cheer for that, you know, uh, after this. It just feels mm-hmm. like so, it feels broken is what it is. And all these layoffs, like I know there's been plenty that we've covered and plenty we haven't covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of riot too. And yeah. recently that we haven't covered. And yeah, like it just, I think um, I saw a tweet that was saying that, we're at 5,600 layoffs in January alone, which is half of what we had in all of 2023 in the gaming industry. And 2023, we talked about this with the Game Awards, how they didn't recognize that. Like 2023 was the worst year for layoffs in the gaming industry. Like it was terrible. It was really bad. It was like every time you turned around, there was another layoff story. And in one month of 2024, we're already halfway through that terrible, terrible year. Like it just... Man, it it must be very terrifying and very difficult to be a game dev right now. Like it seems like you're not safe in any company at a, at all ever. And I can't imagine being someone who is currently in you know high school, college, uh, university, wanting to be an engineer to get into creating video games like. At whatever point, an artist, like I said, engineer, QA, like whatever path you want to take through gaming, I can't imagine being at that stage of my career and choosing the video game industry. Like it seems like total garbage for a career choice right now. Like, why yeah. would you want to be there? Why would you want to do that? Like, yeah, th- go th- be yeah. in any other industry because this industry, which makes so much fucking money. Which just drives me insane. Like, there is so much money in video games right now, more so than so many other forms of entertainment. Like, we shouldn't be the industry full of layoffs, you know? Like, it just, oh, man, boggles my mind. And I think that, like, it sucks because the people who are making games are the ones who are super passionate about it, who chose the career because they wanted to make games because they love games. Like, I feel like that is more so than so many other industries. Like, people don't go into banking because they just love banking. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> well, some people might like banking. Maybe, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But I just, I feel like video games is just such a passion project and passion career. And, you know, like, uh, I just, I feel so, so bad for them. And and they're the people who are going to make this career choice to be in this industry. And just, oh, man, we just keep punching them in the face. And I just feel so awful for them. Them and all the up and coming devs, like, ugh. yeah. But uh, it's so funny. Um, I had an experience where I was, uh, it was a family event, and uh, I wasn't talking to the person specifically who who is into game development. I was talking to their parents, and they were kind of like, you know, um, they wanted to encourage their their kid who is like learning how to game develop, and and he's developing all of his own stuff in terms of like design and programming and music and graphics and all that stuff. And they were looking for next steps as to whether they should go have him sign up for a program or, or, you know, but he's already starting to develop his own indie projects. And I, and I think what it came down to is like, he's, he's very passionate about it. He's very good at it. And there, there are going to be folks, it is an industry that sort of preys on that passion. And mm-hmm. like my, like from what I heard, well, was notorious for that, oh, yeah. you know, like, a, you know, paying way less than other studios because they were Blizzard, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But as I said, like I said to their parents, they were asking about next steps. And like, I didn't tell I didn't say, like, tell them to, you know, 
just focus on programming and get a software dev job if he really wants to do that. I said, you know, the best thing you he can do at this stage is like, yeah, if he's already building his own project, school isn't like absolutely necessary. You might need a degree in programming or something to back up like your experience, but really you should be talking to other devs, like sign up for IGDA, go to their meetings in Toronto, have conversations with people who are actually, who are, who are already in the industry building games and, you know, big, small teams, all that stuff. And I, I think that's like, there are going to be folks who, even with all the layoffs, like uh, if with this, I wouldn't look at Activision Blizzard or Microsoft, I'd stay as far away from them as possible. But like, there, it is still an industry that has some good spots still. There are a lot of good spots still. And really what needs to happen is, okay, like if this isn't it, if this isn't the moment where we get the, I think this is going to be the first, this is going to be the year where we see a a big unionization push. And I hope it's Blizzard. Because honestly, like I understand it's a big organizational effort. I 100% get that. But if this isn't the thing that pushes you know, the developers internally to like, to form a union when I thought, I thought the momentum was already there. I, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not as up on it. I'm not as, I'm not as knowledgeable on it. And I know it was, there was a big movement over the last couple of years. And I think they were, I I honestly thought they were just waiting for Microsoft. It was a big, yeah. I I think the lawsuit was a big uh, catalyst. There was also at one point they had like 800 layoffs at Blizzard uh, or at Activision Blizzard again um, across both companies. It wasn't just Blizzard, but Blizzard was definitely hit hard. Um, th- those two moments in the past few years have definitely, I thought, like you say, I thought gathered momentum for unionization. And, you know, I think last year in general in the industry was a big motivator as well, because like I say, it was like a record year for layoffs. So I think there's been talks kind of across a lot of companies. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I hope I hope that they do unionize because clearly they they need some of those protections. So, yeah, I don't know. The industry as a whole seems just awful right now. So I really feel for everybody involved. But uh, yeah, that's our great downer of news to end the night. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us and <laughs> talking through <laughs> this awful, awful event. But uh, yeah, if you guys want to continue the conversation, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord to do so there. Uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. You can visit us on the web at gamersandpodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is Dar Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying with Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.